We're in Matthew chapter 8 this morning, the first four verses. If you will locate uh, that text in your copy of the Word of God, we will read it in your hearing uh, and then begin the exposition of these words from the pen of Matthew. Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go, show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. I'm using as a subject for these verses the authority of King Jesus. The authority of King Jesus. We all know a thing or two about authority. We live under it and experience it on a daily basis. For instance, if you drove to church today, You did so under the authority of the traffic regulations. And if you didn't do it quite right, and if somebody was there, had some authority, they would remind you of it with their lights and some paperwork. (laughs) We know about authority. At your place of employment, you are under authority of a supervisor or a manager. Or, in fact, you may be uh, the authority. You have some people under you, and you say something to them, and they are obliged to do what you command. In fact, this Roman centurion that uh, we'll look at next time, down in verse 9, he said, For I am also a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, Go, and he goes, and another come, and he comes. He understood authority. The people who heard Jesus' Sermon on the Mount recognized that he had authority. In all their born days, they had never heard anybody preach like him. They had never heard anybody teach divine truth like him. They said in verse 29 that he was teaching them as one having authority. He spoke authoritatively about spiritual, theological, and eternal matters. His pronouncements were the final word. His pronouncements were the absolute truth about those matters. And his jurisdiction concerning these things included all mankind. His authority, in fact, is a comprehensive authority. As we begin in this passage, chapter 8, the first four verses, as we work through this chapter and the ninth chapter, we will see the comprehensive nature of Jesus' authority. His authority is over disease, it's over sickness, it's over death, and it's over demons. 
There is no limit to his authority, unlike human authority, which is circumscribed by what they tell you you can do and cannot do. Jesus has no circumscription. He is powerful and authoritative over everything on the planet. In these chapters, we will see Jesus exercising his power over disease and sickness. We'll see him exercise his jurisdiction over demons. Uh, this is essential for us to know. It's very essential. You say, why do I need to know that? Let me tell you why you need to know that. His teaching was authoritative. He talked about spiritual and eternal matters. And he made the pronouncements, these are the things that are true. How do we know they are true? His teaching was authoritative. But his miracles, his miracle working power validated his message. You see, it's one thing to speak authoritatively. It's another thing to back up your authority with power. The combination of Jesus' message and his display of power shows us who he is. Who is he? He is the divine king, Messiah. He's king because he was born king. He was in the royal line of King David. Matthew opens his gospel with the genealogy and he lets us know in chapter 1, verse 1, that Jesus is in David's line. He's born a king. But also in that genealogy, Matthew lets us know that he was not only a king, but that he is divine. Because he was born of a virgin. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, he had no human father like the rest of us. He is also Messiah. And how do we know he's Messiah? Well, John the Baptist was languishing in prison and he wanted to know through his messengers to Jesus, are you the expected one? Matthew chapter 11, verse 5. And Jesus lets him know in verse 5, the blind receive sight and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. In other words, just look at what I'm doing. Just look at my miracle working power. Yes, I'm the expected one. My works demonstrate who I am. So he is the divine king Messiah. That's who Jesus Christ is. Now, you need to understand, as we talked about disease, and as we see this miracle that I read about just a moment ago here in this passage, we need to understand something about the realities of the world that we live in. Disease, sickness, and death are effects of the fall. It's what God did in response to man's disobedience. We have these problems and they cannot be remedied until sin is done away with. So we have to live with disease and sickness and physical infirmity and eventually death because that marks a world that's in rebellion against his creator. And God had to let us know how bad our sin is by showing it to us on the physical level. We get the message on the physical level. That what we did against God's authority, against his word, Adam, we're in Adam. And what Adam did when he sinned, God is showing us in the created order why 
that is awful and we have been paying the price ever since disease but let, let me for I'm thankful though that God is gracious it could be a lot worse I'm grateful for medical science Thank God for that. You know, God is gracious, common grace. He has done that for mankind because things could be horrifically far worse. Disease and sickness was rampant in Israel. I just spoke about medical science. Medical science and technology, as we know it today, was non-existent during the time of our Lord Jesus' ministry on earth. People just had to live with their diseases. They had to just live with their disabilities. They just had to live with their sickness. They, they couldn't go to the doctor and get a pill. They couldn't go to the big farmer <laughs> and get some medication. They just had to live with it. There were no cures for many of those things that have been banished from the world today. With the ministry of Jesus' healings, disease was temporarily banished from Israel. There is no wonder then that with his miraculous instantaneous healing of all manner of sickness, this supernatural display of power that crowds followed him. Crowds were attracted to him. The word got out. Here's one who can heal whatever it is you bring to him. There's no, 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 no. We can't put them on stage. Uh, we can't heal them. No, no, no. Jesus can heal everybody. So the crowds were attracted to him like filings are to a magnet. So before and after his sermon on the mount, the crowds followed him. You see in Matthew 4, you see the crowds, he was healing all manner of sickness. Whatever they brought to him, it, there was no challenge uh, to our Lord. Verse 23, it says, Jesus was going throughout all the Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing notice every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people no exceptions he specifies Matthew does in verse 24 they brought to him all who were ill those suffering various diseases pains demoniacs epileptics paralytics and he healed them powerfully easily he healed them he didn't say, I'm sorry, but I can't deal with you today. Maybe you come back some other time. And then he got out of town. No, no, no. Whoever came, he healed them. No wonder people got the word around. They said, Mama, there's a guy in town. They call him Jesus. And he can heal what's ailing you. Say, Daddy, there's a brother or somebody. Says, let's go. Let's go where Jesus is because I understand he can heal you. So this reality of he's coming and he's healing and he virtually banished a disease in Palestine. There's one man who hadn't been healed yet. He came to Jesus. He was desperate. He's a leper. He had a predicament. That's our first heading. Predicament. Verse 2. And a leper came to him. Leprosy was one of the many skin diseases in the ancient world. 
the word leprosy is derived from a root word, which means scaly, which is one of the earliest and obvious characteristics of the disease of leprosy. Now, scholars debate whether the disease named Hansen's disease today is the same as biblical leprosy. I'm not going to get into the debate because I'm not a medical person, scholar, and all that. So I'll just let you know that, okay? But I do know this, leprosy was incurable. You probably remember uh, uh, Naaman, 2 Kings chapter 5. He is a, a Syrian general, and he had leprosy, and there was no cure. In fact, he wanted to be cured, and the king of Judas, Israel was worried. He said, why would they ask this man to come to me and let me heal him? I can't heal him. Can I make alive or kill? That belongs to God. Leprosy could run its course, but there were no known medical remedies. Now, it's much more contagious in the ancient day than it is today. 90% of people now are immune to leprosy, so the scholars say. To protect his chosen people, God gave specific regulations about leprosy to Moses as recorded in Leviticus chapter 13. The person who was who contracted leprosy was isolated from family, is isolated from society and the public, from public worship. In fact, he was a pariah. According to the Talmud, a body of Jewish civil and ceremonial law, Jews were forbidden from coming closer than six feet to a leper. And if the wind was blowing, the limit was 150 feet. They knew something about the value of social distancing. The leper was also required to cover his mouth and cry out when he was approaching people these words, unclean, unclean. And this is from Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45. The Jewish reader reading this and reading what the scripture says about leprosy, they understood that that person was spiritually unclean and therefore under the curse of God. And here's some reasons why. I mentioned scripture, Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 15. You remember the incident with Miriam? Miriam is the sister of Moses and Aaron. Moses had authority. He was the prophet of God. A unique relationship with the Lord. But Miriam didn't like that, and uh, Aaron didn't either, so they spoke against their brother who was the lawgiver, the prophet of God, and God didn't like that. And so he called them, hey, you three, come out here. Yeah, he descended on the tabernacle and said, come out here. Now, I'm acting like I would act if I were God, you get it? But he, he, wasn't, he wasn't pleased because this was God's spokesman. You have no business going against my spokesman, Moses. And he said to Miriam, you're going to pay. And for seven days, she's stricken with leprosy. And had to be exiled, exiled from the camp, outside the camp. There's another, Gehazi, the servant of the prophet Elisha, became a leper because he used the ministry for material gain. And Elisha said, my heart went with you. What you did was wrong. And a leprosy came on Gehazi. 
God punished him. Then there's King Uzziah. He reigned for 52 years, I believe it is. You remember, you know King Uzziah because Uzziah is the one that Isaiah wrote about in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Uzziah died after 52 years, but you know what happened to him before he died? He had to be separated from people because God struck him with leprosy because he intruded upon the priestly office. So leprosy, when it was read about seeing it, people understood, signified a curse from God. Leprosy was a graphic illustration of sin. Sin, like leprosy, infects the whole person. One writer puts it like this, it is ugly, loathsome, corrupting, contaminating, and incurable by man. They cry out, unclean, unclean. When it says unclean, that's the idea that there is defilement. And when someone was clean in the Old Testament, God was impressing upon them the distinction between clean and unclean, holy and unholy. When someone was clean or holy, they were acceptable to God. But when someone was unclean, they were unacceptable to God. God wanted to teach how important it is to be clean. But this leper in our uh, passage this morning, his healing served to illustrate the spiritual restoration of sinners. That restoration they experience when they respond in faith to the gospel. Isn't that good news? Isn't it good to know that when there is a response in faith to the gospel, there is a restoration, there is a cleansing from sin and its stain. Illustrated by this experience of this leper. And he comes to Jesus because Jesus is the only hope, right? There are no other means. There is no other hope. There's only one, Jesus Christ. And here he comes in verse two, he said, he bowed down before him. That is humble submission, bowed down, proskuneo, which means to prostrate oneself. So he comes and he prostrates himself on the ground in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. He violated the rules. He got close to Jesus. Jesus didn't rebuke him, say, hey, 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 wait. No, 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 no. He didn't do that. He, the man comes in his desperation and there he is prostrated before the Lord Jesus. The, prost, the uh, posture reflected the leper's humble submission before Jesus and to him. And notice what he says. Lord, let's stop there at the word, Lord. This cannot simply mean sir. Because it can be used that way. It was used that way in that time and in the New Testament. But this can't simply be, sir. It's not a simple honorific. I, I believe the leper means more than that. After all, he must have heard of Jesus' healing power. He heard about the things in Galilee, that area in which Jesus was ministering even then. He had heard the message. He had heard how uh, people were being healed, even lepers. By the Lord Jesus. 
And he understood no mere mortal, mortal could easily and completely heal so many various diseases and cast out demons as Jesus did. This was unprecedented. There is no historical precedent for this. This is miraculous. This is unlike anything the world had ever seen. There have been other miracles, but not like these. He must be the Lord. Lord in the sense that the word is used in Matthew chapter 7 when they say, Lord, Lord. He, I believe he is saying, Lord, I believe you are deity. I believe you are divine. In fact, he is. And so he comes to him, Lord. But then you notice here, um, this submission, if you're willing. He didn't come demanding a healing. He knew that Jesus had the authority. He knew he had the power. But he says, if you're willing. You're the one who is sovereign here. I'm just lying prostrate in the dirt. I am just a leper. If you are willing. It's your sovereign will. You can choose or not to choose. It's up to you. But notice something else. In the text it says, you can make me clean. Sub point faith his faith shines brightly here doesn't it he didn't doubt Jesus' power he doesn't say if you can make me heal make me well make me clean he just simply said you can make me clean that's something to say for us we need to trust the Lord amen We don't have no business doubting his power, doubting his ability. Just trust him. It's up to him what he wants to do, but you just need to believe that he can do it, right? Find out what his will is and then believe it. Too many Christians walk around doubting God. I mean, come on. He's God. You're doubting him. He can do it. If it's his will, he has omnipotence. He can do anything he chooses to do, keeping with his nature. We just simply need to believe him, right? What would Jesus say? We've seen the predicament. This leper has come here and he's in a world of hurt. He's a leper. He's separated from everybody's family and whomever else uh, in his circle of friends and loved ones. Boy, he just can't be with them and he is dependent upon Jesus. And notice in verse 3, the provision. We've seen the predicament now. Let's look at the provision. Verse 3. Our text here says Jesus stretched out his hand. But before he did that, In the parallel account, Mark chapter 1, verse 41, we're told that Jesus was moved with compassion. I'm glad Mark put that there. It's good to know that the Lord, God, is just not sitting in heaven and looking at our circumstance and it doesn't move him. He had compassion. Compassion on this man. Like he has compassion on you. You know, act on your behalf. Jesus had a deep sympathy for this man. He felt in his viscera, his gut, his compassion. 
with this man according to Mark's account of this account. So Jesus stretched out his hand. Now I'm going to tell you something. What he did here, he didn't have to do. Because we know that Jesus doesn't have to touch you. He doesn't have to speak. All he has to do is will it to happen. And it happens. Because he does that in the scripture. There are times when he didn't, he didn't go somewhere. He didn't say anything. It just happened because he had willed it and it occurred. Because he had that kind of authority. But in this case, he stretched out his hand to touch him. A leper. This man hadn't been touched in a long time. He didn't know what it was to have a handshake. He didn't know what it was to have a pat on the back. In fact, he couldn't get close to people. So that isolation did that then. But Jesus, what does he do? He touches him. That's a window into the heart of our Lord, isn't it? That he knew that man needed that. And he did for him something he didn't necessarily have to do. The man didn't say, touch me. He just said, heal me. Jesus, in his grace and love, said, let me touch you. says this thing touching a leper you need to understand something in the scripture Leviticus 5 3 to touch a leper was the second most deviling thing right after touching a corpse but Jesus could touch him because nothing could defile him Rather than making Jesus unclean, he made the unclean clean. Hmm. Then hear these lovely words. I am willing. Hmm. I'm exercising my sovereign will. I'm going to heal you. And he says two words. Be cleansed. When Jesus said be cleansed. The man instantaneously was healed. The disease at the power of the authority of Jesus had to go away. This is the creator. In human flesh. This is the creator who spoke these words. Be cleansed. And when I thought about that, I said, you know, Jesus has done this before. Because he is the father, the agent of the father. And he was there before there was anything. And since he was the agent of the father, he was present and he spoke as the father's agent in creation. And the universe came into existence. Jesus is the one who said, let there be light. And there was light. He is the one who said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. Genesis 1, 6. And it was so. It's Jesus who did this. So this is really not a problem. When you can call into existence things that did not exist and then command things to do certain things, well then healing leprosy is really not that big of a deal. The authority of Jesus. I told you he's a divine king Messiah. And we said, 
be cleansed. Notice something at the bottom of the verse, verse 3, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. What I love about this, and this is why it's important, that's why you need to look what the Bible says about healing and not what people tell you on TV. This miracle is instant healing. There was no extended period of recovery. There was no going to therapy like we have to do when we have natural healings. You go have surgery, and you have to have some time of recovery. You lay around, they give you some medication, they send you therapy depending on the surgery and all of that, and eventually you're healed. Not so here. When he was healed, cleansed, it was as if he had never had the disease. We had some people who come to our house that flooded and they had to the, the restore things and they, they call their business Restore to Before. <laughs> so they said they're going to get it back the way it was before the flood. That, that's what happened. This man was restored to before. He was a leper. That's the authority of Jesus on display. Jesus is not done. Verse 4. Prohibition. And he said to him, see that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. The prohibition given to the leper is twofold. First, he has to be silent about his healing. That could be puzzling. If you don't understand what's going on, the dynamics here. Jesus didn't want him to just immediately go out and start broadcasting his healing. Here's part of the reason. Jesus was no mere wonder worker who could be pressured into messiahship by crowds whose messianic views were materialistic and political. And they were. They, they, the Jews wanted a Messiah, but not the kind of Messiah Jesus was. They wanted a Messiah who was political, a Messiah who would trounce the Romans, throw off the yoke of Rome, lead a revolution because he's got the power. I mean, my goodness, he's been raising the dead. He's healing, uh, casting out demons. He can take care of the Romans. That's the kind of Messiah we want. But Jesus didn't come here to be that kind of Messiah. Thank God he didn't. Amen. Boy, thank God. No, Jesus came to be the Messiah who would die for sinners. His mission wasn't a political one. It was a spiritual one. Thank God. Hmm. See, the news about him just spread and only fanned the flames of messianic hysteria. In fact, we know in John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, they wanted to take Jesus and make him a king. And Jesus had to send the disciples off, and he went up to a mountain to pray because that was their goal. Let's get him. I mean, he'd been feeding people. When you start multiplying food, boom, 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 people say, whoa, boy, uh, this is a guy we like. He's our man. Put him at the top of the ticket. Come on. We're going to put him in office. He's our king. Amen. <laughs> Jesus said, no, it's not what I came here for. That's why he tells the man, see that you tell no one. But perhaps afterwards, after his second part of it, 
but go show yourself to the priest the second part the, the, the former leper was to obey the law of Moses he had to obey the word of God and show that he had been healed to the priest as a testimony to them See, he would go and they'd examine him according to Leviticus chapter 14 and they'd say, yes, you are healed because we knew you were a leper. Well, who healed you? Is that man named Jesus? What? Is that man named Jesus? He is the one who said, be cleansed and here I am. You just examine me and show me that I am healed. Jesus. Hmm. It'd be a testimony to them. Evidence that Jesus is indeed their Messiah. And in his grace, he would call them, hey, I am Messiah. I'm the one who can save you. Come to me. Here, after he's told to go do, make the offering to birds and the hyssop in the water, all of that in Leviticus. You can read it there. What did this man do? According to the parallel account that I Referred to earlier, Mark chapter 1, verse 45, it says, But he went out and began to proclaim it freely. Mark 1, verse 45, And to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could, not, could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. You know what happened? This man disobeyed Jesus' command. And it hindered Jesus' ministry. So does our disobedience. When we don't do what the Lord wants us to do, we hinder the work of Christ. Jesus would like to do more and work through us, but because of our disobedience, he can't. Let's not be like that man. Out of love and gratitude, let's not check Jesus, but submit to him and do what he commands us to do so that he can do his work unhindered by us. Let me uh, conclude with um, just these few words. Just as Christ can cure leprosy, he can cure the greater ailment that afflicts all mankind. What is the greater ailment? Sin. And we have the responsibility to go tell people. There's a healer of your soul. He will cleanse you and wash you. And make you whole. Because he has the authority. Let's bow together and pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you. Bless your holy name for this record of our great glorious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose authority is unbounded.
who can do all that he wills and wishes the glory of your own name and his. May we, his people, your people, be faithful in doing the things that you call us to do. To love and to serve you even more faithfully. For Lord, you've delivered us from the great malady of our sin. We deserve not to be delivered, but you in grace, you were willing, like you were willing with that leper, you healed our sin-sick souls. And now we're clean, and we can serve you. Thank you for it. Do that for others. Some sitting here in this room, others who will hear me and hearing me over the Internet, bring them to yourself. Wash them, cleanse them, make them yours. By faith in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, these things we pray in his glorious name. Amen.